Aaron Rudrick is the Director of Domestic Policy Program at the McDonald Laurier Institute, and he recently wrote an article entitled, It's Time for a Grown-Up Conversation on Immigration. Oh my gosh, did I say hallelujah to that. You know, up until recently, it seems that no one dared criticize our immigration policy. Even the increased number of illegal entrants, you know, across the Quebec border didn't garner a lot of attention, or at least people didn't want to speak out, or the fact that New York was actually putting their migrants into taxis and sending them to Roxham Road in Quebec. So, uh, you know, it is time we had an honest conversation, a full conversation about it. Aaron, thanks so much for finding time for us. Very great pleasure to be here, Mike. You know, one of the things uh, you wrote in your article is that the bottom line is, yes, of course we support immigration, but there's lots of areas that we've got to talk about the impact, whether it's we're talking about the impact you know, on our economy, on our social programs. Uh, obviously, I've been talking about the number of temporary visas issued and the impact on housing. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a key, key subject. But up to this point, as I say, there's been a lot of reluctance, you know, to really have a full, honest conversation about it. Yeah, and, and it may be a function of the fact that, you know, anyone who, who raises any concern about immigration is afraid of being called a racist, right? And there are all kinds of reasons to be concerned about immigration that have nothing to do with even the types of, of immigrants, although, I mean, you know, where people come from is a separate question, but just on arith arithmetic reasons, right? I mean, uh, I think one of the reasons this has come to the fore in the political discussion in this country is, of course, the housing issue. This is the one I think it is the, the issue in the next federal election, certainly. And immigration is a large part of that question from a demand side. So I, I think it's a it's it's we're well past time that we have this conversation. Um, you know, every policy has trade offs, Mike, and uh, immigration is no different. And we need to have a, an open, honest discussion about that uh, because that's the only way we're going to get to a solution. Yeah, and and I think the starting point is that look, you look at Canada's birth rate at one point four, I think, children child per woman. I mean, that's well below the replacement rate. You know, we need to support our social programs, our economy, and all of that stuff. We need immigration. But that's not an excuse not to talk about how it's administered, what numbers are, are appropriate, that kind of stuff that seems to be missing from the broad, well, the policies, actually. Yeah, I mean, first, take you take the issues like Roxham Road. I mean, I think one of the first principles is that whatever we decide for immigration, there has to be a lawful process, right? You can't skip the queue. You can't break the law to get into this country. Canadians are the ones that get to decide how many people we're going to take and what the process is. So I think even even legal immigrants themselves get very upset about illegal immigrants, legal migration, because they follow the rules. They, they follow the proper process and they, it's just not fair uh, to jump the queue. Um, you know, and then and then we get into the debate over um, uh, the temporary is temporary workers. Right. Um, you know, and, and student visas, which has been the other sort of uh, essentially loophole that's been exploited to a, an enormous degree recently. Again, this, these are people that would not qualify for migration through the regular stream. They're using the student visa essentially as a backdoor to permanent residency. Again, that's not what people sign up for. And policymakers need to acknowledge that that that's not it's not intended to be a way to circumvent vent the normal migration process if and that's the way it's being used then we need to do something about it it's interesting of course the temporary visa issue as you say it's now been exposed that some people are really abusing it out of ontario and i guess bc's next on that it's fascinating to see that uh, any thought of restricting that of, of reining it in has brought such a backlash from the 
educational institutes themselves because they came to rely on that extra tuition. It is. It's a very interesting confluence of factors where everybody turned a blind eye to things. And it was essentially this loophole was a way for everybody to get what they wanted. And we just kind of would hope the problem would go away. Of course, we can't ignore it because it's created other problems and things like housing. But I mean, if you if you go upstream, the problem is a lot of these institutions, including colleges and universities, were not allowed to raise tuition on domestic students. So guess what? They were allowed to raise them on foreign students, governments like that, because they're not voters. So, you know, they don't face any backlash yeah. for paying higher fees. So then you start to get institutions to say, hey, I can cash in on this, right? This is a pipeline of easy money. And then you get these what they call strip mall outfits. And so it's, it's just this whole confluence of perverse incentives that has created the situation. And, uh, and now we're stuck trying to clean up the mess. Well, it's interesting. I was looking at some... Uh notes uh, and looking at the number of temporary visas issued between 2004 and 2013 was about 366,000. Fast forward to 214 to the third quarter, uh, well, it's actually the fourth quarter of 214, uh, third quarter of 223, 1.68 million. I mean, that's 1.3 million extra people yep. have come in. That's temporary visa. I'm not talking yep. uh, immigration here at all. I mean, it's an astounding number. And then for me, the capper was, we know that nobody knew how many had come yep. or were coming until after the fact. Well, there's no planning involved. I mean, I think this is one of the most, and there's a lot of competition, one of the most botched policies I've ever seen. Yeah, and that may be giving them too much credit. I mean, there may have been a, there may have been a, uh, a, a, you know, everyone has a vested interest in in averting their eyes, right? Nobody wanted to know yeah. the answer to that question because Ooh. that would lead to this outcome. And uh, and let's be clear here too. Some people uh, have said, well, this is scapegoating international students. They're they're victims as much as as Canadians are in this. In a lot of cases, they're the ones that get they they arrive here. They're they're promised yeah. all kinds of great things. They don't get it. So this isn't this isn't blaming them. I mean, they're victims as much as Canadians are. Uh, but at the end of the day, it is a, it is a numbers game. And especially when we come back to the housing issue, um, when you dump in a mid sized city, you dump an extra ten, twenty, thirty thousand people looking for somewhere to live. That's obviously going to have an impact on. On, on the prices of housing in that area. The, the other side is the administration generally, you know, broadly, because I, you know, I've looked at a couple of reports. What worries me is that they we're letting in people. We don't know who we're letting in. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem across the border too. In the States, they've let in millions of people. They don't know who they are, you know, what they're, and it's, you know, it's clear that's going to be an issue. But I was looking at these kind of things. We got these reports, Canada Border Services Agency reviewed about, 7,700 people flagged as a concern, uh, a security concern. 43% were still let into the country. I mean, are you kidding me? Or Immigration, Refugee, and uh, Citizenship Canada issued 449,000 visitor visas without requiring applicants to actually demonstrate they were just, in fact, visiting. I mean, there's this, like the administration has been overwhelmingly incompetent in this too. Well, yes, and it's devastating to, to people's confidence in in the system, in yeah. the fact that there's a legal process. And that is critical. That is absolutely critical to having buy-in on immigration policy generally. And as, as you said off the top, I'm not anti-immigration. I actually think immigration certainly been on balance a huge benefit to this country. I support legal immigration. I support the contributions that immigrants have made. Uh, and that's one of the reasons we have to have this conversation is because if we don't do this, we're going to lose 
buy-in from the public, who have no trust in our in the government's ability to control who is coming into this country. And that is almost one of the first duties of any government, right, is to have the perimeter set up and saying, we're, you know, we welcome people here, but we get to choose who comes in and on what basis. And if we're starting to find people that are breaking those rules or using backdoors and loopholes to try and circumvent the process, the whole thing really just falls apart. And and I know it's a difficult subject, and I don't want to present it as uh, I, I think it is straightforward. Figure out how many people you can accommodate in your country, yes. you know, at a, at a time. So I'm not. I don't think that's particularly complex. We got a report from the TD Bank, I think it was in August, that basically said all those benefits that we enjoy with having newcomers coming into this country are eroded when you don't have the social infrastructure, when you don't have the you know the housing infrastructure, when we're already having a challenge with family doctors. At the very least, you need a much a, a much better communication plan about what you're doing in those with those regards. And for me, I need a better plan on who we're letting in the country. And, and I'm just speaking personally here yeah. that I have been appalled by the anti-Semitism in this country. Like I, I, words, absolutely do fail me. Yeah. And uh, you know, so what we've seen since October seventh. I mean, this stuff I didn't even think was possible. The degree to which we're seeing, the size of what we're seeing, major, you know, infiltration of uh, public sector unions, universities, yep. you know, um, uh, other areas. I, I, well, you know what? It's in my view, we've imported that. Yeah. That level of hate has been imported, and that's part of that immigration debate. And I'm not so sure what I don't really know what the solution should be. You know, to that. I know, I, I know it, I, in my opinion, again, please, uh, I'm not putting words in your mouth, that has not benefited Canada whatsoever. All this other stuff we're seeing, we feel it's been a major benefit. You know, the immigration has been a major benefit in so many areas in our country. Yeah. That part, I say no. And, and we and talk about not having an honest conversation, you know. Yeah, I would say two things. So, I mean, first on the on the, you know, the loss of the benefit from the size of immigration, when immigration becomes a battle of scarcity between people who are already here and people who come, that's where you start to lose. Right. When you're fighting over jobs, you're fighting over infrastructure, you're fighting over doctors, you're fighting over you know, fighting over housing. Yeah. That's where it starts to become a lose lose. When when those things are in abundance for people who are already here, we want more people to come. We welcome more people. And so I think that's the key is if you, you find that, uh, you know, Canadians uh, who are already here are, are find that everything is a battle with newcomers. That is a bad sign. You need to make sure you have abundance. On the question of importing hate, I think you're absolutely right that October 7th has been, the wake of that has been a wake-up call for a lot of Canadians, the size and scale of anti-Semitism that's rife in this country. Um, and you look, listen, there are some people, I, I respect that people are going to have different political opinions, especially about things like foreign governments, but what we're seeing in a lot of these protests goes far beyond, you know, protests uh, uh, with, the, with the state of Israel, the Israeli government. I mean, they are targeting uh, Jewish-Canadian institutions, Jewish-Canadian because they're Jewish. Uh, and that it should be of deep concern to all Canadians, because you're right, this was not something that I think we would have seen 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, but then the authority issue is what do we do about it, right? How do yeah. we how do we how do we screen for that? How do you screen for something like anti-Semitism? Um, it's not really something that you just a multiple choice question is going to identify all the risk, but it is something to be aware of. It is something that we have to factor in um, to the trade-offs when we're shaping our, our uh, immigration policy. Well, we're just looking at, um, you know, the minister worried that we haven't had enough uh, immigration coming from Gaza right now. I mean, people coming in from Gaza. But then I look at polls that show phenomenal support in Gaza itself for Hamas. You know, uh, 
I, I'm just not so sure. Well, no, I am. I'm betting that we're importing some trouble. <laughs> yep. I don't need to couch that. I'm just saying this is me. I, I have no way of quantifying that other than I look at the polls for support for Hamas in Gaza. And now we talk about importing uh, a lot of people from Gaza, but they don't explain how you're going to vet them. Like, I think this is a government problem, too. If we are going, I think this new reality requires the government a, a much higher level of explanation of how you're protecting our interests as, as the population right now, wherever you came from. Absolutely. And again, that is a prerequisite to getting support in immigration policy yeah. is a belief that the government is looking out for Canada's national interest, right? Of course, we want to be a compassionate country and we want to help people. We, I mean, that, everybody wants that. But job number one has to be to make sure Canadians feel secure, that they have confidence in their government, that they're managing this stuff, that they actually can keep track of the numbers, right? These are, And when we talk about things like numbers skyrocketing and nobody notices and no one can figure out how many people are here, that undermines confidence in the system. So I think there's a, there's a, it's very important that governments get it right, um, make sure that they can project confidence to the public. I think that's missing right now. And I think that's a, that, that's a large part of the consternation Canadians feel. Yeah, as I was mentioning earlier, when we find out that the border services flags 7,700 people, basically, and 43% still come in, you know, or, you know, Immigration Refugee and Citizenship Canada has got 449,000 visitor visas, and they couldn't, they didn't, they just said, oh, the hell, they can all go in, they don't have to prove that they're just visitors. I mean, that undermines my confidence, and I think your point's well taken. This is, you know, there'll be a lot of defenders of the government no matter what happens. I mean, they're partisans and they, they protect their political party. Then give and then talk to them yeah. because this is going to, I think your bigger point here is important. We have benefited greatly in the country from immigration in so many different ways. You're about to, well, they are. They're currently undermining support for it. You've got people like me saying, get it under control because it's out of control. I've got, I've got liberals, uh, MPs saying that too. It's out of control. Yeah. But it's more than that. It's we have a right to have our interests as Canadians and we have our right to have them protected. You know, government's first job should be to the people in their, our own country. And yes, let's welcome other people. But for God's sakes, tell me how you're vetting them. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that sometimes it's lost. And, and you know, there is a there is a, a vein of thought in this country that's, you know, we're a post-national state and we have no identity. I, I think I don't think a lot of Canadians agree with that. I think that, you know, no. we have to put Canadians first. And and again, the government's first responsibility has to be safety and security for Canadians. So whether that's our borders, whether that's crime in our cities, right, whether it's national defense, these are sort of fundamental responsibilities of a government, especially a federal government. And so when when the government is being seen as not living up to those responsibilities and giving more emphasis to like, oh, well, we need to be, we need to have an open door policy because there are suffering people. Well, of course, there are, there are, there are hundreds of millions of suffering people in the world, but we don't have room for them all. And so we need to make sure our policy, uh, you know, gives Canadians confidence that our interests are, are being taken care of first. Then we can turn our attention to, you know, how, how welcoming, how many people do we want to, to bring into this country? Yeah, and, and, and as you said right at the outset in your column, it's time to have a grown-up conversation about that. <laughs> We're not good at no, those in this uh, country, Mike. We don't like grown-up no, conversations. So, <laughs> and, and, it's, and as I say, uh, I'll just reiterate, you know, economically we need newcomers coming in here. To support our social programs, we need newcomers. Our birth rate is such that that's, you know, the future for us. So it's yep. given that, then we have to do it right. And in, in my opinion we are such a long way from doing it right that they risk support. That's the key. That uh, unfairly, 
people will get targeted. But we have to have an honest conversation. And I so much appreciate you've helped us do that and started that conversation at McDonald-Laurier. Uh, and I, I hope there's much, much more to come on this front. Me too. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. Thank you.